Let's do it. I have no idea if we're gonna post it, but we gotta, but we gotta have, we gotta do it. We gotta record this. Uh, do it. Yes. All right. <laughs> what was oh. that, Billy? That wasn't me. Who was that? Who was that? Oh my that was goodness. Me. The sneaky bastard. Oh man. Okay. All right. The here we go, everybody. You're in for a treat. You're in for a surprise. Yeah. I am Joey Parr, editor in chief, editor in chief of GeekTyrant.com, and this is Secret Level. I like that. That's quite an intro. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I like, like that. One of my favorite intros ever. Wow. And I... joining me today is Bill. Bill. Crazy Bill. Get cool, Bill. Breeze it, buzz it, easy does it. Turn up the juice, Bill. Go, man, go, but not like a yo-yo school, Bill. Just play it cool, Bill. Real cool. Wow. I, I feel like I need to leave now. <laughs> That was amazing. So yeah. yeah, what's up, Billy? No, not much. Just uh, ready for another episode. I've really been excited about this one. I couldn't wait to get to it. You know who? But else we is have it? some. You know who else is excited about this one? Who's that? This guy. His name's uh-huh. Drubles. Drubles. We love Drubles. <gasps> we love Drubles. Is that me? Drubles. Is that my entrance? That's your entrance. That's your entrance, buddy. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing well. Hi, buddy. So, Drubles is joining us on our adventure today, and this adventure is going to take us into the realm of Mm -hmm. the never-ending story. What? Oh, yeah. Yes. Finally. So, this is one that Joey and I have been talking about since we started the podcast, and it just so yeah. happened we were talking to Drubles about possibly doing an episode. And it what better episode would it be? Right. Yeah. This is the perfect episode for him. Is it? I agree, 100%. See? Yeah, no, this movie uh, traumatized me as a child. I think it so. traumatized every young man <laughs> growing up. Every young child that saw this movie within the, what, yeah. the first 20 minutes the horse yeah, dies and much. drowns in the swamp of yeah. sadness. Oh, man. <laughs> it's in the but name. It's he, in the title. <laughs> right. So here's the thing, though. I always thought it traumatized me really bad. Mm-hmm. I never realized it, like, permanently scarred the kid who played Atreyu, but for a completely different reason. Oh, man. This is going to be some fun discussion today, guys. Oh, my gosh. That kid yeah. gave it his all. When when I oh yeah when I dove into this movie and started learning things about it behind the scenes mm-hmm. stories, right. I really wasn't expecting what I got. Like I was no very surprised, and I love it all. <laughs> I know, but you know, I really want to get into this, but we have to go through. Uh, our opening formalities. Otherwise, we're never going to get to it because this movie has one of the best backstories 
to, to getting being made the trauma of making it. Yeah. But first, let's let's start off with with some niceties, Joe. Hey, niceties! I love hearing niceties. these niceties. <laughs> We're gonna start with Joseph. What uh, what cool things you've been into this week? All right. Well, I've got another adventure story for you. Heck yes, you do. <gasps> so. My brothers and I went on another exploration up in the mountains oh. of Utah. Ooh. Yes. And Drew is very aware Utah. of the adventures that my brothers and I go on. So he's, I am, I am he aware is, of those. He, he follows our TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm one of your followers. <laughs> and on this journey, we went into this huge seven-story abandoned silver mining facility. It was gigantic. It was the biggest abandoned building I've ever been in before in my life. Jeez. And I'm not going to get into, like, the crazy, like, we walked in and blah, 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 but we walked in and we walked up the stairs to the second (laughs) floor and we get to the second floor and we find this pentagram on the floor drawn in blood with salt surrounding the blood area and a dead squirrel like right next to it oh yeah this was like Whoa. real devil worship crap that we came okay. across it was I've never come across anything like this before on any of my adventures. This is, I've seen <laughs> pentagrams, but this was, you know, sure. but spray painted. Like, haha, look, we're spray painting a pentagram, 666, devil, ah. Yeah, but, nah. but this was like straight up, like real blood, evil. There were candles surrounding it. There was a candle with Jesus uh, by it. Mm-hmm. And when you go up and you look at the candle with Jesus on it, the face mm-hmm. of Jesus is scratched out. Ooh. Like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. And then on the other side, you could see there was like blood on this curb where they like curb stomped the poor squirrel or whatever, because oh. there's blood splatter all over there. There was like right. a little bucket of blood next to it. Eek. Man, it was weird. We all got a little freaked out on that one. Yeah, I would imagine. It, yeah. it, it, so what'd you find on the third story? It was a very <laughs> odd feeling. <laughs> you really want to know. So on the third story, my brother <laughs> bust out his LiDAR camera. And if you watch the ghost hunting shows, LiDAR camera is like, it shows the stick figures of things that it catches on right. in the area. Right. It can pick mm-hmm. up those things. So he busts it out and the stick, thing just pops up from out of nowhere and it is coming at us it's walking toward us it's walking back it's walking side to side it's all over Mm -hmm. the place Mm -hmm. and i'm like and it's not going away like it is just staying there and interacting with (laughs) with us it was so weird and i first my brother walked over and stood next to it and it was like reaching out to him which was so weird (laughs) The stick figure is like reaching out at my brother. My brother's reaching back at it. 
And then he, my brother puts Jeez. his hand over and he's like, dude, you got to come over here. It's like cold right here. It's warm out here, and it, but it's cold in this spot. So I go over there and I stick my hand in the ghost and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is freezing. It was like, it was probably like 10 degrees colder than it was hmm. out of it. It was, so, I've never experienced that before. I've always seen it on the TV shows and stuff like that, but I've never experienced it before. So that was weird. So that's what happened. That wow. was my experience. So you had a summoning my circle on goodness. one floor and a ghost on the other floor. Yeah. That's crazy sauce. And it's, the, you yeah. know, it's it was seven stories, the seven levels of hell. Um, we went <gasps> there. Okay. Yeah. Right. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Let's not go there. Hey, Billy. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. yeah I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. I got, how about you, I Billy? How was, how was yours? <laughs> okay. So we all have those standbys. <laughs> Right, you're having a bad week. There's certain albums you like to listen to. There's certain things you like to do. Right. Mm. Um, my thing is, I love getting into audiobooks. If I'm having a bad week, I just like listening to just audiobooks. I have certain series that I like going back to. Like I like to do the, I like doing Ready Player One. And sure, yeah. you know, it helps ease the nerves. I I like the Harry Dresden series, The Rivers of London. But this time I went with. The Harry Potter series just started with the first yeah. one and listened throughout the week. I don't know something about Jim Dale's voice. You I know, was just going to say, I love his, uh, his narration, right? So bad week, but I made it better with that, that and some Cobra Kai at home. I mean, that's just hey, makes the week better. Can't go wrong with Cobra Kai. Not at all. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, nothing new, just going back to the old favorites. And if you guys have never listened to the Harry Potter series, narrated by jim dale it's a life changer Mm -hmm. it it, it makes all the difference what about you drew anything me i get a i get a yeah participate all right yes you do (laughs) let's see what have i been up to joey you look like you got something to say i I was i was gonna i was gonna ask you if, if uh i if you wanted to talk about your podcast coming out well, I mean, I was going to bring that up, but I wasn't sure if I should do it now or at the end or whatever. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, actually, um, my, uh, my buddy Brian and I are, are getting ready to launch our podcast and it's called Exiles of the Multiverse. And it's, Exiles, uh, it's, it's a strong name. Yeah. I do it love is, it I is do right. Love I love it. Yeah. And we've been like workshopping it for a while i mean yeah for a while uh but it's about these two travelers it's sort of a an alternate version of ourselves who get exiled into the multiverse because my character specifically was mistaken for a watcher you know like from the marvel universe Uh and (laughs) upon their uh, realization of the mistake instead of putting me back they decide to exile me into a little pocket dimension and then brian was uh, a individual who could travel uh, through the dimensions, but then we kind of retconned that, and now he's also uh, a powerless, but he travels with me now. And we use our prison-turned-multidimensional uh, s- spaceship, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's kind of a... Yeah, we, we, we land on these worlds, and we figure out what they're lacking entertainment-wise, and we make these pitches with these sort of what-if situations, you know? Like, what if you had to recreate the Fast and Furious franchise using the Muppets? 
I'd watch that. So movie. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I would also, watch that every day. Spoiler: Don Toretto would be played by Animal. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Family. <laughs> Family. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm gonna definitely yeah. listen to that. So we're getting really excited to be able to launch the podcast, and uh, we're really grateful to you, Joey, that you're going to uh, let us uh, kind of pay, piggyback off you. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> going to be a, uh, kind of a part of our little Geek Tyrant podcast family. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're very excited. Awesome. We Same. are very excited. It sounds like fun. <laughs> but now, now we yes. have to dive into Never Ending Story because we got a lot we to unpack, do. guys. Oh my goodness. It's a lot more than I expected. So this is going to be part one of a two-part episode because we have so much to talk about for this movie. It is just massive. It's a massive scale. It's epic. We went all out on this one, guys. So One could say it's never-ending. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. <laughs> Way to step up to the plate, buddy. Okay, so now that's out of the way. Let's go. I recently watched the film, and mm-hmm. man, it's even just that opening of the movie is 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 really quite something because you've got this kid, Bastion, who his mom's dead, and he's <laughs> and he's dealing with this death. It it's a big one. It's a it's a big and it's it's crazy because sadness. this is. I'm, as I watched this last, I'm like, man, this movie's, movie is like really kind of dark and depressing. It's got this fan, great fantasy stuff, but for the most part, it is a very somber, depressing, sad story about this kid who's lost his mom and is just living in his head, like dealing with all of this stress and pressure that's coming from that, from school, from his dad. His dad. His oh dad. What's up with his dad? Wow. Like, it's like Mr. Robot. <laughs> right? Okay. Played by Gerald McRaney. If you don't know who he is, <laughs> we've all seen him. He's, you know, been in a lot of television shows and stuff like that. But man, he is a cold hearted individual. No joke. Like, this kid is just <laughs> down in the dumps and he, wa- and he sits down with his son. He's got the blender and he's blending up this juice drink or whatever. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> we can't we can't let mom's death get in the way of getting the old job done, right? <laughs> hmm. <Yeah. laughs> She's Dude. been dead for two weeks. Move on. <laughs> right? His Dude, dad his oh, not man. only that, his dad just comes down on his son. I'm disappointed you didn't join the swim team. <laughs> what the crap, bro? Like you got to keep your head out of the clouds and keep both feet on the ground. Stop daydreaming and start facing your problems, damn it. So, do you guys... Okay, so You're what he's saying old. is... Right. I know. Grow up. What he's saying is super upsetting, but did you guys ever watch Bastion during that scene? Yeah. yeah. Trying to open just, the yeah, jar of peanut butter. Can't do it. Decides to get a huge chunk of butter off of that block of butter. It's the biggest thing of butter I've ever seen in my life. And then just proceeds to stab the crap out of his bread while his dad is talking. 
he's just thinking, take this butter, Dad. Take it. His dad's just his being the dad, most awful person. Metaphorically, his dad is the bread. Absolutely. And he's like, inside he's tearing his dad up. And he's not even going to eat the sandwich. He's no, just He doesn't care not. at this point. He's like, I hate you. I hate this. I hate all of this. <laughs> I'm going to go to school. I'm going to lock myself up in the attic, and I'm never coming out again. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I it's... love it when the the dad, like, talks about, like, your teachers say you were drawing, and he pauses. And I'm like, oh, is he going to say, like, like genitalia or something? And he's like, horses. And it's like, what? You're, and, you're getting upset that he's drying at all, I guess. So, they, but, but, but horses? And then the kids are like, like, no. And then Bash is like, unicorns. <laughs> unicorns. <laughs> and there's no inflection in his voice when he says it. He's like, unicorns. No. Mm-hmm. Unicorns, it's like, Dad. Dad, you just don't understand what I'm going through, obviously. <laughs> I'm living and, that unicorn and, life. And then Des, his dad like brings up the fact that he was willing to give him horse riding lessons, but he was it's like, but you were too afraid to even like try to ride one. It's like, Mock the what, what sad is kid. With you? What is going on? This is bad. You this turd. is this is parenting that people should not follow. Yeah. Oh, and then like right when the conversation ends, his dad's like, "Don't be late for school again." And then he turns to his dad. He's like, "But." Yesterday I wasn't. Like he's late to school all the time apparently. <laughs> but then he was late to school anyway, because as you know he was chased by bullies and he walked into this store with this cranky old book Dude, salesman in there. That that sentence where he says yesterday I wasn't it it struck me so hard this time because he's just looking for something positive from his dad. Yeah, just his one dad thing. is giving him nothing. Anything. This is an abusive relationship right here. <laughs> And he said and it was also, such a, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Oh, I, I was just gonna make the comment that all the adults in this seem to be like mean and terrible to kids, right? For okay, real? I always thought that. For I real? always thought that. Even I was just gonna say, even the bookstore store guy, after he's being chased by the bullies, he's chasing the bookstore. The guy's like, the guys, like, get out of here! I do not like kids. Look, okay, and he so... he walks over, he's like, didn't you hear me, boy? <laughs> okay, so Mr. Coriander, the bookstore owner, okay? So Mr. Coriander, he's a... I realized it on this one. He's a bigger part of the story than I ever realized. And I had to see it through the eyes of my 10-year-old son. Huh, interesting. You might have some insight here that I don't see. Because it, this is what I saw from Mr. Coriander... One, he was a jerk to the kid when he walked in. And he was a jerk to him up until the point where he found out the kid liked reading books. And then he was like, ooh, now I'm interested in you. Oh, were you running away from somebody? Oh, come in. You're going to be safe here now. Like, But if it was just this kid who liked video games, he's going to put him back out in the street and let the kids beat him up again? Let him get beat up, right? <laughs> but it was yeah. a test. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know if this is getting too far into this, but... So that was his test. He needed to find somebody because he's been keeping that world alive by himself by continuously reading the book over and over again. Whoa. You know what I mean? 
Because that's interesting. Because I, I was that. wondering, and I was going to ask you guys what you thought was going on. Because he was reading the book when he came in. Right. Right. And I'm like, if he's reading the book, is he on his own adventure in that book? What is going on with him? Like, right. Do, do the people in Fantasia know this old bookstore keeper is like reading this book at this point? Yes, but that's why the nothing's coming in. He can't sustain it anymore. Like, he's been trying to keep this story going. New stories, keeping it fresh, keeping Fantasia. Because he walks into a world established. Like, there's characters in there. The the big-headed dudes that all show up at the palace. And he just can't do it anymore. Like, he's getting tired of keeping this imaginative story going. And he's been looking for someone to give it to. So do you think... The whole part of him where he's like trying to talk the kid out of the book like super hard like this book isn't for you this is this isn't a story is like you stick with your story like he just made it he was like pushing it like like don't do it and the kid's like man I really want to read this book because he keeps telling me no right but he keeps <laughs> testing him too because he like he starts talking about Robinson Crusoe and like these adventures that if a kid Robinson Crusoe. Really... Right. <laughs> but a kid that's never really read those wouldn't care. Yeah. Like, wouldn't be ready. But wouldn't this appreciate kid comes the in. hero's journey. Exactly. And so he knew he was going to take it. That's why he looked back and he was like, yep, there we go. Because I think he was just done. Like, he couldn't sustain it anymore. And that's why the nothing's coming in. Interesting. They needed Bastion to yeah, interact I never thought with of it. That. Yeah. I'm. Like I said, through the eyes of a 10-year-old. And something else is sort of like the, the, the warning off is like, it's kind of like Yoda with Luke. And he's like, don't go in there. And he's like, well, what's in there? It's like, Whatever you, whatever, what you take with you, right? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's a similar kind of situation. It's like, he's like got to prepare the kid. Like, you read this book. It's not just reading a book. It is entering, becoming a part of it, you know? Right. And you're right. Like, he's basically looking for somebody worthy to take up the mantle and someone who doesn't appreciate fine literature wouldn't have done that. But, you know, that's a little short sighted on the guy's part. But at the same time, I get it. I understand where they're going with this. Sure. <laughs> right. It, so, yeah. It took this watching to, to understand that. For I don't, that's just my point of view on it. Somebody might have a bigger, broader scope, totally. but. That's that's how I saw it. Before we go any further, I'm going to read the synopsis because sometimes it's just fun to read the synopsis. They're I so think silly. so. I love it when oh, you read movies. the synopsis. So here we go. <laughs> On his way to school, Bastion ducks into a bookstore to avoid to avoid bullies. Sneaking away with a book called The Never-Ending Story, Bastion begins reading it in the school attic. The novel is about Fantasia, a fantasy land threatened by the nothing. A darkness that destroys everything it touches. The kingdom needs the help of a human child to survive. When Bastion reads a description of himself in the book, he begins to wonder if Fantasia is real and needs him to survive. It's actually a decent synopsis, but it gives away too much. <laughs> Way too much. <laughs> Way too much. But yeah, he doesn't even mention Moonchild. So, oh, we're gonna get into some Moonchild, my friend. Don't you worry. 
I do want to say though, after he steals the book and ends up uh, at school, and he walks up to the window and he looks in through the little the window, he's like, "Math test, oh no!" <laughs> and instead of like facing his problems and keeping his feet on the ground like his dad tells him to, he decides to run away up into the school attic, which is, I guess, open for kids to go hang out in. I mean, the the little lockbox for the key was open already, so... Oh, that's true. It wasn't like he was really Practically, breaking in. Yeah. Not doing anything Inviting illegal. him. Right. <laughs> so... I, I love the symbolism, too, because he literally escapes above his problems by going into the attic. Oh, nice. Keeping his, head his like feet are on the ground. He's closer to the clouds yeah. in the attic. He's closer <laughs> to the clouds. <laughs> Drew coming in with the insight. So this movie is based on the 1979 fantasy uh, novel, The Neverending Story. But do you know the German <laughs> title? Because I'm not going to try to pronounce this German title. Die ohne Deutsch Gisterschnicht. The Neverendestorian. That was Swedish. That was a Swedish title. That was a Swedish title. <laughs> Ah, there we go. It's funny because you guys are all like, man, is he going to say it in German? I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Go straight to the English translation. I was laughing before you even started it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But this was also uh, Wolfgang Peterson's uh, English language film debut as a director. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when talking about it and how... He basically came to get it. He said, after three grueling years working on Das Boot, I can pronounce pronounce that. I was (laughs) was available and looking for something different to work on. Das Boot was tough. A tough movie to make. From the story point of view, it was very dark and emotional material. My son at the time was around 10 years old or so, and he didn't care for Das Boot very much. As a father, I wanted to do something that my son would be really interested in and that he could be proud of. Now, before Wolfgang jumped on the movie, there was another director attached to it. Okay. Uh, This guy mostly did small films and comedies, but when they started the movie originally, he realized this kind of movie wasn't for him. And so Wolfgang said that this guy was overwhelmed he knew this was not his world, and so him and the, the original director and the producer of the film called him, which he said was very unusual to see if he was interested in the project. So, hmm. of course, he was interested. He says, it's exactly what I was looking for, so he jumped on board. That's cool. Yep. So, Peterson went out to shoot the movie and he shot it in germany in the summer of 1983 it was germany's hottest summer in 25 years at the time wow crazy and because it was such an unusually hot summer one of the (laughs) statues of the ivory tower that was made for the film Mm -hmm. melted (laughs) that's how hot it was jeez on other days, the crew were forced to shut down production because the blue backgrounds for the mat mm-hmm. didn't operate properly because it was so hot. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
I'm curious how like that works. I mean, because when I think you know blue mat, it's like blue screen, right? Yeah. So right. like what malfunctioned in that situation, I guess. Maybe the special lighting, because there's a lot of lighting that goes Maybe. into that, right? And so you get oh, heat for sure. with yeah. those hot lights already. Like it's like just too much, it, and so it it's like you like can't even light it. Yeah. There. I don't know. Yeah, that may, that's a good point. Or actually. not a sauna, an oven. Yeah. No, mm. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can appreciate that then. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Jeez. This was also the most expensive film ever produced in Germany at the time. Mm. I mean, it, it's all on the screen. <laughs> oh, right. I, I mean, all those 100%. creature effects and everything. Man, oh, yeah. those are, I loved the effects. I loved the makeup work. I loved the creature designs, uh, the animatronics, the old school animatronics. Like CG was like non-existent sure. back then. And so they had to bring right. these creatures to life for real. And it was... I love what they did with it. Like that stuff just stuck with me for yeah. forever. Like those, those images, those visuals, those creatures are just embedded in my head. And we'll yeah, talk, sure. we'll talk about those guys. Yeah. We're going to get into that, but I'm, yeah, I, I wish I could give my kids the experience I had with seeing it in the movie theater on the big screen for the <laughs> first time. You know, I, I would love to do a screening of this in the theater again. It's one yeah, movie, it's one of those one. movies that you don't like see re-released. No. And you absolutely should. Yeah, that should. would be like one of those uh like fan funded screenings that they do now. Yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Yeah, I would like that. So the author of the book, Michael Ende, was not happy with this movie. He hated it. What? Oh, yeah. An author not liking the film version of I his know. creation? It's so rare, isn't it? Mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He That's was funny. not happy with the version of the story that the film told, and he mm -hmm. refused to have his name placed in the opening credits. There was a small credit that appears at the end of the film with his name, but he <laughs> asked... Uh, the movie title to be changed. He wanted the title of the movie to be completely changed, or he wanted the whole movie altogether to just be canceled. <laughs> like he just didn't want to release. Wow, wow, he must have really hated it. <laughs> he did not like Jeez. it at all. After the studio declined both of those options that he gave them, he filed a lawsuit and ultimately lost. Thank goodness. So he was so. I was going to say because we saw it. <laughs> he was right. so upset with the movie, though. That he went mm -hmm. to those kind of lengths to try and keep it from being released. Wow. Jeez. According I mean, I kind of feel bad for him because you put all that work into the book and then it goes to the movies and you're like, well, that's not what I envisioned. Yeah, it was his baby. I get it. But right. I thought they did sure. a wonderful job with the film. Yes. Like, it is one a, of my favorite movies. It is a beautifully made fantasy movie. Right. I I mean I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, a good adaptation isn't slavish to the book. It brings the, you know, points of the book, the you know the ultimate morals and stuff like that, uh, forward. But it has to be its right. own thing. Otherwise, you just get something that is uninspired. Honestly. <laughs> so Peterson said that one of the big problems is is that he just didn't like the script, and so Peter offered to sit down with the writer and work with him 
to turn it into something that he would like. Uh, it was not a good experience, though. Uh, explained <laughs> the story was sacred to him. And whenever they tried to work with him to give and take certain things, he just, sure. the author wouldn't budge. And it was difficult to make any changes. Man. Like, when you get, like, no leeway from the guy who you're trying to make something with, like, that's, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, he said, he said, but still, like, you, you got to compromise, especially when you sell your property, your IP, right? Yeah. Well, and the other thing that uh, he explained is that he just didn't understand the process of, like, taking this big book and putting it down into a two-hour movie, like adapting right. it for a two-hour film. It's not, right. you're not going to get everything. And it's something he just said, the, the guy just didn't understand why that was the case. And they ended yeah. up, he ended up hating it. Peterson was like, well, threw his hands up in the air. Like, we're just going to go ahead and finish it the way we need to <laughs> and move on. Right. It's, it's the goblet of fire problem. Yeah. I mean, by far one of my favorite Harry Potter books. Here we go to Harry Potter again. But there's like three movies in that book, and yeah. we only got one. Yeah. And it's so, funny. One of true. Peterson's quotes was, and this is an interview he gave with Entertainment Weekly, all, all these quotes that I'm getting. He says, he was not our friend. I could tell you that. Hopefully he came to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> He was not our friend. <laughs> but but uh, the author died in 1995. Oh, okay. He, uh, I imagine he didn't come to enjoy it. Uh, there goes him being on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Well, tell you what, what if, guys, I got a surprise guest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's been, skull. Uh, he's been here the whole time. So one of the... <laughs> One aspect of the film that he absolutely hated, despised, uh -huh. is when Atreo encounters the two giant sphinxes mm -hmm. okay. uh, on his journey. That was such a tense scene when I was a kid. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. In order to pass through them, he must mm -hmm. answer the riddle, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the author hated it and said the sphinxes are quite one of the biggest embarrassments of the film they are full bosomed exotic dancers who sit there in the desert wait he didn't like that he did not like that no okay. what a weirdo I, I mean i mean i'm not saying i agree with his description of exotic dancers <laughs> Because they didn't but, dance at all. No, they didn't dance at all. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that pissed him off, huh? Yeah, he was not happy with that. But, anyway, while we're on the Sphinxes... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He had two encounters with the Sphinxes and a mirror mm -hmm. that he had to stare at himself in. Mm -hmm. Right. And who? what was the guy's name who was, like, helping him through this? The old guy's like, he made it! He made it! <laughs> the one name? who rides a bat? No, no, it's like the gnomes. What were their uh, uh, scientific 
scientific speciality. Yeah, it's my scientific speciality. That guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. I would say Angie Wook, Sydney Bromlin, Bromley. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it was. Okay. It was. Ha <laughs> ha. Success. Success. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of the Sphinxes, like mm-hmm. those were, that was an intense sequence yeah. in the film for sure. Like you for were saying something earlier. that basically nothing happens. Like you know the outcome, anyways. Yeah. You get that knight who just rides up and then gets disintegrated. Yeah. So you know the danger involved with this. Yeah. And now it's like this kid has to do this thing that this knight couldn't do, right? Like the adult couldn't do it. And I want to know what the knight was doing. Like, what was right? he going Seriously. for? What was his mission? What was his What was his journey? Like, I want the side I, story of that guy. curious about that. Was he like some lost crusader looking for the Holy Grail? <laughs> Uh, that's what I think it might be. Just his, it was his quest to conquer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sure. And think about it. all he needed to do was take off all of that armor, get off his horse, and just mm-hmm. jump. Well, I think <laughs> simple. I think there was a, a, a lot more significance to the Orin being on Atreyu when he went through. I think that was kind of like the needed. That was the only armor he needed to make it through that. Yeah. Because to okay. be able to hold on to the Orin, you had to be like the chosen one. Yeah. So that night never stood a chance. No. Nah. So he passed to no. the one Sphinx. He got to the mirror, and the what was the what was the guy's name? Billy, who was cheering uh, cheering Atreo on. That would be Engiwook or Engiwook. Okay. So he's all like, as he's approaching the second obstacle. He's like, this is the one where people just lose their minds, right? Mm-hmm. This is the one that drives people <laughs> mad. And all it is is him looking at himself in a mirror. Now, it seems like it's nothing. But when you're looking back at yourself and you're trying to see yourself and who you are, I can see how intense that could be. Like, am Am I, do I have the ability to do this? Am I worthy mm. of this journey? Am, you know, he has to find <laughs> it within himself to be like, yeah, I, I, I am. And then walk through it, right? Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. How many of us see ourselves for who we really are? <laughs> you know what I mean? A, you got to look in a magic mirror, man. Yeah. I mean, we all like Joey to see ourselves. It. I've yeah. looked in a magic mirror. I have. Yes, he has. I saw myself. I did not like what I saw. I'll be honest. <laughs> see? But at least you're honest with yourself. A lot of us see ourselves as the hero in our stories and can't see past that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it was honest weird. over. Yeah. I'm sure the audience yes. is like, man, what's this mirror that he's talking about? Well, I found this mirror. It's a silver backed <laughs> mirror. And it was like 200 years old. And when you looked at it, it was had this concave in it. And so when you looked at it, you were looking at yourself in the third dimension. I've never experienced anything like this. A lot of people say that, oh, it's kind of like a makeup mirror. But no, it's not. Unless you've really looked into a silver back <laughs> mirror, 
this is completely different. It seriously looked like I was looking at myself in 3D, and it really just kind of blew me away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was interesting, to say the least. Uh, that, that is trippy. Yeah, it, it messed me up that day. I was like, <laughs> I just, I've never... Because when you look at a mirror, normal, you're flat, and you don't see yourself as you would see, like, if, if I see you guys in person, I'm seeing mm-hmm. you a certain way that you're not seeing yourself. Right. right. And I saw myself the same way that I would see you guys. And so it just kind of <laughs> was like, whew, threw me off. That's not, <laughs> and that's a lot to take in, bud. It, it was, it really, really was. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, so he gets through that. He gets to the, the, the second set of sphinxes who are just like, oh, you need to find the human child, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, where do I find one? Yeah, sure. Beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. Okay. So now I got to <laughs> go all the way back. My question is, did he have to go through all those obstacles again? Exactly. <laughs> when he is there back? like a... Yeah. Or is it like a, a, a Disneyland ride where you could just like, there's an exit. Oh, I could just go right over through this door and I'm back. But but the first thing he did do is turn around and yell, Falcor! And then he started <laughs> running back. Right. So did Falcor pick him up? Could, can Falcor do that? Is that hey, he's a luck dragon. dragon. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> he can do whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. Stinking Falcor. Anyway. Look, I've gone outside and yelled that plenty of times, and he's never shown up. I'm just saying. He never shows up for you? That's weird. No. He always shows up at my house. I'm always like, dude, please. I'm done. Just just no more, buddy. (laughs) You eat too much and you poop too big. (laughs) Uh, One other quick thing about the author of the book. He Uh wanted Mm -hmm. Akira Kurosawa to direct the movie. Oh. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Which, you know, I have no problems with that. I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, that would have been great. I would have wow. loved to have seen a, a, a take on that from Akira. Yeah, but huh. do you think he would have directed a I mean, American movie? I or like the movie. He... Oh, probably not, no. Oh, of course. No, yeah. heck no. The problem with with that is uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have been, uh, the author would have been able to work with that director either because he probably would have turned it into a whole Japanese fantasy yeah. film, which... Would have been yeah, awesome. he, he had a movie that came out at that time, around that time, that was like based on dreams and stuff. I think it was even called like a Karakurosawa's Dreams or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was like it was like vignettes. It wasn't like a, a one solid story. It was like a bunch of them, and okay. they were really interesting. But it was it was kind of weird. And thinking about that movie and trying to translate that for like never any story, I'm curious if he'd bring the creatures like this movie did, yeah. or if he'd go a little bit more like representations you know like uh, kites instead of actual animatronics and stuff or if he even did bring in huh. creatures what right or, or they've been yeah. inspired by japanese lore and legend and things like that right which would have been also cool it would have been cool huh. yeah it'd be interesting to see like studio ghibli's interpretation of never ending story like yeah if we're kind of going to that direction right dude 
Uh-huh. They should do it. <laughs> they should. Seriously. Wow, that would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, pitch it, Drew. Okay. <laughs> in a Get in world. Contact with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steven Spielberg also helped with this movie. Of course he did. Ooh. I didn't. Of course. It's something I didn't know until I started I didn't, digging yeah. in the research. Mm-hmm. I, he and Wolfgang Peterson were good friends. And so Spielberg helped with the editing of the movie, and he also helped with the marketing as well. I could see that. To prepare it for yeah. the American market. I mean, good for him, man. I mean, it's. I'm just glad I get to watch it. It's such a great movie. And they actually, uh, Peterson gave Spielberg the Aaron, the prop. The, the no snake way. thing? Yeah. That's on the book? Yeah. And that, the, that's what he gave Spielberg. Atreus Amulet? Yeah, the actual prop for the film. He <laughs> that's gave, he gave really to Spielberg cool. For, so Spielberg has that somewhere. Jeez. Um, I would love to think it's just in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peterson says that Spielberg was a big fan of Das Boot, and they talked all the time on the phone. You know, it's just these two okay. guys hanging out, talking about yeah. movies. Uh, hold, on, hold on one second. Yeah. Just to let you know, uh, the original Oren is, uh, it hangs in an enclosed glass display in his office. Well, there you go. Yes. In a drawer. No. <laughs> on display. <laughs> That's what this says right here. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, but so before Spielberg came on board, the movie was a bit slower than what we got originally. It had a very European feel to it. Wow. And so he just gave him some editing tips and said, this is going to pump it up a bit, get American audiences hyped for it, release it. I can see that. So there's actually two cuts of the movie. There's an American cut, Uh which is seven minutes shorter than the German cut. And the German cut Seven minutes. is much more is is kind of a more serious toned movie with different music and things. Yeah, like the, that. the the song is not oh, in the I German even think version. About that. Yeah, really? Yep. Yeah. The Turn around. Is it in it? No, not in the German one. <laughs> even the ti- even the titles even the titles of the film like the Never Ending Story. You know, when you watch this film, you get these beautiful titles, right? In yeah. the German oh. version. It's these very blocky, just white or yellowish, the never-ending story. Default title maker? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's... I'm glad we got to see this version. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. There were... That's really interesting. I know. There were 50,000 kids that auditioned for the role of Atreo. Mm Mm-hmm. What? 50,000? That's what... Is that's, that like the population of Germany? <laughs> that's that's according to Noah Hathaway, the guy who actually oh. played him. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that so makes he, it sound a lot more impressive that he got it. Then. So he says he says this whole backstory has the there's a whole backstory to his casting, where when he was hired when the original director was attached. Uh, when Wolfgang came, Wolfgang came on board, they pushed him out. They're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna look at other kids now. We don't know if we watch you." So 
They made him go through the whole audition process all over again. Wow. Yeah. And he says they did one of those worldwide searches to cast the role, and they saw something like 50,000 kids. I think I auditioned (laughs) around six or seven times before I got the part. The script was just amazing, and even back then, it was imaginative, and I hadn't seen anything like it before. He goes, I can't remember what happened with the first director, but after he left the project uh, and hired Wolfgang, they did the whole thing again. So they let me go and started the whole casting process again, and I had to audition for Wolfgang and two producers. Finally, after like three or four more auditions, I got hired (laughs) again. I don't want to say it was meant to be because I really worked my ass off for it. (laughs) Never-ending auditions. (laughs) (laughs) And when he was cast, his skin was super pale, so they uh, made him go to a tanning salon to get uh, a a darker tan for his skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's what they do when you need... But look, dude. Darker complexion, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Moving on. He had, this this kid had to be cast in this role. Because this kid went through hell to make this movie. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) If any other kid might have been in it, they might have died. Serious crap, dude. (laughs) Like, I read some of the stories about what he went through. Just the filming of um, Artax, the whole Artax situation. Oh, yeah. That was traumatizing. I mean, I think I said that on the top of the thing, of the podcast, but just freaky to see this horse just going down and he's just screaming and just, ah! You're like, what is happening? And why is this happening so soon? I know. Seriously, it happens so fast in the movie. You're just like, wait, wait, we're here already? He's losing his horse? Yeah. and I'm, And now I'm crying. And now everyone in the audience is crying because the horse is dying. And this poor kid's just looking at this horse in the face. And he's just like, please, just come. Just get out of here. The Swamp of Sadness is a place you don't want to be. Okay, so in doing my research on this, in that scene, it cuts where it cuts. Because the Artax the horse is on an elevator that's going down. Yes. Okay, so okay, he's going down. Okay, that's they did that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, this kid, Noah Hathaway, when it gets to a certain point, gets pulled under, like gets pulled into the swamp of sadness, like into that all that muck. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Gets pulled into it. They pull him out and he's unconscious. He's what? out. They had to save him <laughs> at that point. Yeah. They had to bring him back to life. Yeah. They he <laughs> got he got pulled under that swamp. And when they brought him up, he was passed out. Wasn't there like a rumor that they killed a horse on this movie? No. Okay, and so yes, there's that rumor. There is the rumor. Go finish what you're saying, bud. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, like, like, there's a rumor. Did they switch out the kid to? No, it's funny because <laughs> uh, in one of the interviews, Noah was like, they had two horses on the scene and they like, had ready to go. and they had horse protectors like uh trainers and stuff on site that were with horses at all time he was like the horses were 
safer than I was. There was no one there to protect me. I was kind of just on my own. And yeah, it's crazy. Jeez. But that was one of two times he almost died on that set. Thank you for joining us in this first of our two-part episode of the Never Ending Story. We really appreciate you listening to it. The next part is coming soon. Drew, thank you for joining us. It yeah, was big a time, pleasure. Hey, don't really forget, we've got Last. that new podcast coming out, so keep an eye out for that. Please and thank you. Exiles of the Multiverse will be landing here soon. 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 It's just the first of many, guys. We're going to try to get as much content out as possible, but we're taking baby steps. Yes. And also, that's right. Also, always don't forget to like us and follow us. Facebook, Twitter, our call sign is at GT Secret Level. You can find us all over the place. Also, visit geektyrant.com for all your uh, movie news because I do that too. Yeah, that that's happening. I know I do. That's where I get all my geeky news. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. Oh, and leave reviews. Five Please. stars Five. if you're feeling generous. All right, thank you, everybody. I Next time, so. we will continue our conversation on the never ending story. And this conversation may never end, depending on how long it goes. Could I'm still be a going. I'm still going. I'm not even, I'm not even ending yet. This is interesting going to keep going even after he stops recording. That's true. I might. Never ending. End story. Uh-huh. 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 Alright, everybody. Alright, see ya. Say bye. Bye.